Hey, food friends, and welcome to the Food Founders Podcast, your number one spot to get mentoring, guidance, and behind the scene learnings to help you understand what it really takes to launch, grow, and scale your packaged food or beverage business. On the show, you'll hear from food founders at various stages of growth, and you'll hear from me and my 14 years of packaged food and beverage experience. Each episode is packed with insights, inspiration, and learning to help you on your food business journey. I'm your host, Ainsley, and this is the Food Founders Podcast. Before we jump into today's show, I want to thank our sponsor, the Food Brands That Sell program. Food Brands That Sell is a six-week deep dive into the CPG industry and teaches you how to win within that industry by creating a brand that you, retailers, and consumers love. Here's what a recent alumni had to say about the program. I am so grateful that I chose to do Food Brands That Sell. I learned so much about myself, my journey, and my company. These six weeks changed how I'm doing my business, and I can see the difference already. I no longer feel alone. If you aren't already on the waitlist, hop on over to foodbrandsthatsellwaitlist.com or grab the link below to make sure that you are first to know when the program is accepting new students. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Hey, food friends, and welcome to the Food Founders Podcast. Today, I'm excited to have Candice Wu and Jonathan Weinstein here. They are the co-founders of Wonder Monday, and they have the best cheesecake you've ever had without all the sugar. So I'm a cheesecake lover, so I'm thrilled to have you guys here. Candice, Jonathan, thanks so much for hopping on the show. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. we're thrilled to be here. Super excited to be here. Okay, guys, that's a bold claim. World's best cheesecake without the sugar. Talk to us about Wonder Monday and what you guys are all about. Awesome. So Wonder Monday, like you said, is the best cheesecake you've ever had, minus the sugar, but also in general, minus the carbs and all of the junk. So Candice and I spent over a year crafting a recipe that could really compete with the best cheesecake you'd ever had. And the key to us for achieving that was and is our use of specialty ingredients. And this comes down to things like allulose, rare natural sugar, whey protein, almond flour. And so these are really the specialty ingredients we use to achieve a cheesecake that tastes exactly like the real thing, but with the kind of nutritionals that enable you to really eat it every day. Are you guys like food scientists? How did you land on this? Or are you just like, I love cheesecake, but I don't want to feel bad if I'm eating it every day? (laughs) That's a great question. Jonathan and I actually both come from tech backgrounds. Jonathan um, previously co-founded a healthcare startup, and I was previously a product manager at Weight Watchers. And both of us have a really deep shared passion for health and fitness. But we actually came into the CPG DTC space completely blind. Um, We started making a recipe in our own homes. You hear a lot of CPG founders with this sort of experience, but we formulated our own recipe that's now commercially produced. And we just learned everything ourselves through trial and error. When you guys were experimenting in your kitchen, did it come from the intention of, hey, we really just want to make this for ourselves? Or, hey, there is this gap in the market. And let's see if we can create something. Both coming from a tech background, you guys obviously both love to solve problems. So was it purely from like, a, we want to be able to eat this more often? Or there's an opportunity here. Let's tinker around and see what we get. Yeah, I think it's it's definitely a little bit of both. So at the time when we 
launched Wonder Monday. Candace had just left her job at Wave Watchers as a product manager, and I had just finished up with the last startup that I co-founded. And we knew we wanted to work on something together, and ideally, it would be something that we could use, or in this case, eat every single day. Um, Cheesecake was the most <laughs> right, <laughs> and um, and so one of the big things to know about us is that we're really passionate about health uh, and fitness. And especially when it comes to food, we're the kind of people that will read every single ingredient on a nutrition label. We cook all of our own food. We'll meal prep, you know, 30 meals at a time. But we're also just very regular people in that we also love to eat delicious things. And so one of the things we like to do is figure out how to make our favorite foods healthier. And this is where it's kind of a mix of, you know, personal interest and also business interest. It really occurred to us browsing the supermarkets. The supermarkets kind of like our happy place. We love to go there. It's our hobby. <laughs> that nobody was doing anything about the cheesecake um, and, and, and not just making a healthier version of it, but really there was no innovation in the cheesecake. Most people, if you ask them to name a cheesecake, can name one, maybe two, something like the Cheesecake Factory and Sara Lee. And that's it. That's, that's really all there's been for decades. And so it just occurred to us that this is one of America's favorite desserts, maybe America's favorite dessert right up there with ice cream and, and nobody had done anything with it. Huge opportunity to disrupt that category. Absolutely. You're right. There's like there are no millennialized brands of it for sure. Uh, and there's just like really a few brands for it. So huge opportunity for you guys to dive into this. Not coming from CPG, you know, talk to me about how you guys kind of tackled this head on knowing, you know, you that you had a great product, but didn't necessarily know so much about the CPG industry. How did you go, go forward with that? I think that, uh, you know, what you mentioned about having a great product was at all times the most important thing. Because like Candace mentioned, we definitely had to learn it from scratch and as we went along. And there were tons of ups and downs, lots of days where things weren't going well. But always being able to come back to the fact that this is a really amazing product enabled us to always just stay focused on the on the long-term vision and just hold the mindset of um, this is something that people really want. So we're going to be able to learn what it is that we need to and work through all the challenges. And I, and I actually would say that we got a lot of it right from the start. Um, in terms of our business model, it really hasn't changed much since day one, probably because we modeled everything out in spreadsheets. So we were pretty intentional and careful in calculating out exactly how we would execute the business right from the beginning. It talked to me about talked to me about what these spreadsheets held. <laughs> Had you guys uh, kind of come out of the gate running? What did you guys really plan in terms of launching this and and bringing it to market? Yeah, I think something I will say prior to getting to spreadsheets, which is one of our favorite things, is really just validating the idea up front. I think beyond having a really exceptional, tasty food product, it was about figuring out which channel that we could launch in, in a effective and scalable way. And so the way we actually got started was um, kind of taking a, a note from some of the other famous and brands that are doing really well. Um, they basically started running Facebook ads or some sort of ads or getting their word out there on social media somehow. And so we actually started running Facebook ads first. And very quickly, we were able to, within the first week, we were able to see a really high ROAS as well as acquiring people who are putting their money behind our product and buying it right away. And I think that gave us a good signal to move forward and pursue all the other paths that come next after you know that you can you validate your idea. So when you guys were running Facebook ads, were you running Facebook ads to like a landing page before you even necessarily had the full product figured out to be like, okay, there is a market for this? So we actually kind of did it in parallel. So we found a pilot co-packer and we also 
simultaneously threw up a really basic website and the product was available to purchase. And that was what people saw when they clicked on that ad and that, uh, and they went through the purchase flow. So it wasn't a wait list because we wanted to make sure that people were ready to pay for it versus expressing interest in a softer way, like a wait list. Got it. That makes sense. And, and you guys are DTC. Are you DTC only? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're currently direct to consumer focused only. And we retail, of course, is something that we plan for down the line, but not something we're currently focused on. Got it. So DTC for a frozen dessert. Talk to me about that. There can be a lot of hurdles with direct to consumer, frozen, refrigerated products. Talk to me about how you guys have managed those logistics and any learnings that you might have for anyone who's thinking of doing frozen, but they're like, gosh, this is so much more difficult to ship out than like a bag of tea. Yeah, it is going to be a lot more difficult. (laughs) So uh, we will not lie about that. I would say that's one of the areas we had to put the most amount of time into. And that whole process of figuring out how to do your perishable shipping is called your pack out engineering. And it really is going to touch on every single part of the business. And we spent months, again, in our spreadsheets, calculating this out. When you think about the physical components that go into it, you have your corrugated shipping box, you have an insulated liner. Um, and then you have some kind of refrigerant that could be a gel pack, could be dry ice, could be a combination of it. And then you also have the product that sits inside it. And all of these components have to be carefully balanced so that your shipment remains fresh by the time it gets to the customer's doorstep. And you also have to balance that against the cost of shipping. You have to think about what kind of service you're going to use one day, two day, three day. How does that inform the thickness of the liner, the amount of refrigerant? Um, and then all of that comes out to a particular cost and you got to make sure that all that works with your margin. So yes, it is definitely really tricky to get it right. And if you are starting out, you know, doing a perishable DTC business, I would say set expectations such that, you know, it's going to take you months to really get it right and uh, push something out the door, be on the conservative side, you know, make the liners extra thick, put extra insulation in there. And then you're going to have to constantly, constantly adjust as necessary until you have something that's actually optimized. How long did it take you guys laying around with different shipping options, the right pack, all of the different linings, all of that until you felt comfortable? And did you launch with, did you launch with that perfect piece or did you get feedback in terms of, oh shoot, this isn't working out as well as we thought. We now need to go back to the drawing board and like, you know, relook at some of these other options and put those together. I would say, it, it, you know, it, it took us about a year to get to where we are right now. And, and what we're doing right now isn't uh, at all what we started out with. And what we started out with worked, but there were so many optimizations that we needed to make. And everybody's eventually going to have to optimize this price on price as well. So, you know, what you start out with might work from a performance standpoint, but it probably isn't going to work from a price standpoint. So you, you're likely going to have to change a lot of the setup. Yeah. So since we've launched, we've iterated several times on the different kind of packout and also the product and how it fits into the packout and what we offer. So what the consumer can actually purchase online because each packout size equals a specific cost. And then of course we factor that into if the, if the average person is going to order this much value, how does that fit into our margin? So of course, like I mentioned, if you're going to do DTC frozen, you really have to think, you have to also step back there's the customer experience, but there's also like the business and how that plays into your margins and all of that. So it's definitely a little bit more, a way more intensive than if you were shipping a bag of chips or something like that. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. There's a lot more to it. And, you know, I love what you guys said at birth. Like you constantly need to iterate throughout it all to get it right and have both the consumer journey in mind, but then also the business aspect of it is as profitable um, as we're as we're doing it. You know, the, these are both really important pieces and you can't you can't ignore one, obviously. You're in the business to make money as a business as well, right? We can't be shipping with like razor thin margins, um, especially I mean, with Frozen, do you guys, do you feel like you are dealing with more returns than some of your counterparts in the CPG industry or or not so much? I wouldn't say we necessarily get returns from a product perspective, but I think the thing that you have to deal with is customer expectations and things out of your control, like weather delays, specifically on the FedEx and UPS front in terms of getting the package there on time and what customers expect. Like, for example, you're shipping chips. People don't care if it gets there in a week or two weeks. You just like tell them, hey, sorry, my bad. But with our cheesecakes, if it gets there late, you're going to have to reship. So, of course, we like bake that into our margins and make sure that our customers are happy. Um, but, of course, that's that's gonna, that's something that most brands who are non-perishable don't have to deal with. So for us, especially with launching in the middle of the pandemic and e-commerce and shipping logistics, like going through the roof and there's like a record volume of shipments moving throughout the country. It's definitely proved to have logistic challenges on us um, and making sure that the customers are aware of these challenges and also, you know, being able to get them what they paid for and get make them super happy. Okay, you guys launched in the middle of the pandemic as well. So you, I, I, I know you guys love your spreadsheets. I love this. And so you're working on this in the background. You're like, you know, Candace, you had left your job, Jonathan, you had sold your business. And you're like, okay, guys, let's, let's build this. And you're working away at it. And then the pandemic hits. I mean, how did you guys manage the mindset there in terms of we still need to launch this and go forward with it, despite the world being in a different place than when we had first conceived this idea? So the, the funny thing is that we actually launched around June of 2020, which actually was already in the middle of the like pandemic. launched right? right. So at the time that Candace actually uh, left her job, that was already kind of the full swing of things. And I do I, I definitely think you know it was a time where a lot of people had probably more of a mentality of scarcity and you know concern about changing like what was working. Yeah, absolutely. But I think that our mentality around it was that, this is probably just a more difficult environment to succeed, but the companies that come out of here during this time are probably going to be of a higher caliber um, because the threshold for surviving is just higher. I think that was a challenge that we were excited to take on. You guys are not afraid of challenges at all. I love this. <laughs> You're like, all right, let's do it. I was very scared when I <laughs> I was <asked that. laughs> And I also, we, we also didn't have the idea of Wonder Monday when I quit, like we, I literally quit and I was like, okay, I have no idea what I'm going to do next. And then, you know, over time, you just naturally come up with something and then it sticks and it works and then it doesn't work or it works, you know, and that's kind of how it goes. And that's like the path of entrepreneurship. And, you know, as a first time founder, like me personally, it's, it's definitely a huge learning journey, especially entering a new industry as well. So it's cool to be here and talk to you and share what we've learned so far, because I hope this like helps somebody who's listening. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And it is interesting, you know, like if you look at the the economic ups and downs and you, and you look at the downs, a lot of the, the best companies have emerged from times of downs. And it's not too surprising when you think about, again, the, the threshold for surviving there. And I think that also just if you really buy into the idea that there are always things that you want, no matter what the external 
kind of circumstances of the economy are. And uh, if you really make something that you want, and there are all these other people out there that that want that too, then the timing doesn't doesn't really matter. There are plenty of really successful things that you can be working on at any point. Yeah, absolutely. And you're so right. There's so many great companies that come out of these tough times. I mean, gosh, guys, when we're in like seven years from now, things are banging again, everything's back to normal. You guys are going to be like, this is a breeze. We launched in the middle of <laughs> the craziest pandemic that we've all lived through and we've made it out and we've, you know, taken the business here. So um, you guys are really setting yourself up for that long-term, you know, resiliency, which is so important. So you've been in market for some time now. Um, we've got some traction. I'm curious. So with DTC, are you is Facebook ads still the main way that you guys are gaining traction? Or what is your main way that you guys are getting in front of consumers and driving awareness and sales? We are actually really diversified at this point. So we're on all the major platforms. Um, you know, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram, TikTok as well. But we also have a lot of word of mouth and organic that's driving sales at this point since we built up a pretty loyal customer base. Another thing that's also driving a lot for us is our brand partnerships. So we've started working really closely with prominent members of the low-carb and you know, health, fitness, wellness community. And we've, I think, really struck a chord with a lot of these folks. And they really resonate with our product. And they're introducing it to their audience as well. So that's becoming another major growth channel for us too. We're also really focused on community um, and you know cultivating a group of folks who are really excited about our brand, but also really excited about indulgent desserts made better for you. Um, and I think that that's been really important for us in terms of having a place to bounce ideas off of, get feedback on what flavor to like go next, um, and just really build up this like cult following of people who are really excited about our product and our brand. So that's been really important to us. And in the coming year, that's really what we're also looking to build out and focus on. And, and grow. I, I see so much success in that. And I can see with a product like yours, building that cult following, building that community is so, so important. And it's going to be a really big part of your brand for sure. What is what is next for you guys in terms of the cheesecake world as you take it by storm? And what can we expect to see from you guys in the next you know, 12 to 36 months as you grow the business? Good question. So I think uh, on the product side, we have some very exciting new flavors that we are launching. That is always fun, always tasty. And then I think on the growth side, it's probably the two things that we just mentioned. One, like Candace mentioned, a lot of focus on community. So we have a Facebook group and we have some other areas where our community congregates. And I think there's going to be a lot of effort we put into making that a really fantastic experience. And then on the other side is brand partnerships as well, making sure that we are a fantastic experience for everybody that we work with. I think we're going to be putting a lot of investment in that area too. You guys are taking what's working and then doubling down really on, exactly. uh, on the pieces, which makes sense because you've been in market for some time, you're on all the channels and you know what's really working. How do you find the community building? Like, do one of you guys love building community? And so you're in there, you're loving it. We're loving connecting with them. Do you outsource it? Like, is that something that you are um, just naturally great at? Or is it something that you know you need to do for the business and you kind of need to like push yourself in there? I think Candace is definitely our resident community lead. Um, <laughs> our community loves Candace, so <laughs> I'll let her talk about that. Yeah, I would say that we really built the brand around Jonathan and I. And like, really, like, we are 
the two people behind the brand. It, it's true. Like we, we built this brand from the ground up. We're currently self-funded. Um, we haven't taken investment. And so I think that really drives a lot of our decision-making. So we're making like the right decisions for our consumer and for our product and for our brand. And yeah, I personally love talking to our customers. I think when you are building anything, the most amazing thing is when people get to experience your product in real life and like tell you how it tastes and like tell you what they do with it. Like we had a woman text us yesterday and told us that she's like, oh my God, my pumpkin cheesecakes arrived. They are to die for. I went to heaven and came back. And she was like, I made a Valentine's gift for my daughter and I'm putting your cheesecakes inside. She's like sending me a picture today. Like, I don't know this woman. She is like an amazing customer. And she's, yeah. So I think like these sorts of interactions are like what I live for because you spend all this time totally away in the kitchen for like these moments, right? Where people are actually using your products, gifting it, eating it every day as a snack, you know, like that's like really amazing. And so, yeah, I think that, I think there's an art of, there's an art and there's like a little bit of science to community building. I think one, you have to really love it. You have to really be proud of your product and really believe that it's, uh, it like needs to be in the world. And um, you're also really, you really believe in your mission. And so I think for me, some of the things I'm working on is, also like what it looks like to like show up more fully on camera, because I think a lot of community, community building is not just writing, but also like doing lives with, uh, with the group, doing things on TikTok. I know TikTok lives are something that we want to do more of and, and also just like more content creation. And I'm really inspired by different brands that do a lot of content creation and in some ways they're like entertainment. And they really built a cult following based on that. So that's something that we aspire for. I think some brands that do it really well are like Midday Squares. Um, I'll think of a few more, but yeah, those are some brands that like I really love. And I think that when I get to follow the founder's journey and I know how passionate they are, it, it just makes it so much more fun for me as a consumer, especially when I love the product and I love the founder. So that's kind of the brand that we want to build. And Wonder Monday really stands for, you know, doing something that's different, like going against the grain, like instead of Mondays being like a boring like day that you dread, it's like the really exciting day that you get to be like, hell yeah, I get to do something different today. I get to like live today. I get to do what I love. And so that's like the energy that we want to bring into our brand. And I think that's something that our, our main community is picking up on. And now we're, we're in the phase where all the operations is like really stable and growing and that we can really like share our message. And that's what we're really excited about this year. And so we've got some fantastic new flavors community building, brand partnerships. I can't wait to see you guys show up more and show up on more people's feeds and other people talking about it. Oh my gosh. The fact that you have people like texting you and being like, oh my gosh, this is the greatest thing ever. Like that's every brand owner's dream. You know what I mean? You've created a product that people love and they connect with and you're building this cult following that. Yes, it sounds cheesy, but your brand name is Wonder Monday. So I think you believe the same where it's like you can change people's lives through food. I fully believe that. So um, <laughs> you guys are really doing that. You're bringing a ton of joy and satisfaction to people and just like bringing new opportunities to them with a product that they love and that they maybe have, um, maybe they've walked away from cheesecake as a whole. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. A lot of people um, who find us are like, oh my God, I hadn't had cheesecake in years. And now I get to have it. It's like the best thing ever. And it's like truly the most delightful thing for us when people like describe our cheesecakes in all sorts of ways, like bites of heaven or like morsels of delight. I'm like, I don't know where you came up with this, but I love it. <laughs> Keep on coming. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're like, great. This is perfect for content. I'll take this. And I'll exactly. Language. Yeah. This is great. 
Awesome. Any words of advice for anyone who is, you know, we kind of touched on it before in terms of thoughts for anyone with a DTC brand, especially frozen, what to look for. But for anyone who was like, hey, I've got a great product. I'm thinking of bringing it to market. You know, what advice would you have for someone in those early stages or even for someone who is like partway through their journey and they're not sure if this is the company that they want to keep going with? Um, What advice do you guys have for the food founders out there? Yeah, good question. I think uh, probably the number one thing I would advise is to have really high conviction in your product. And this is this is true for anything that you're making, whether you're in CPG or not, but you need to really believe in it. And that doesn't mean just manufacture some belief out of thin air. It's actually a recommendation to be really intellectually honest with yourself about what it is that you're seeing and what you're feeling about the product. And the, con- the conviction can come from a lot of different places. It could be because you know you personally love it. It could be somebody close to you personally loves it. It could be that your customers really love it. But whatever it is, I think that's the thing that you need to hold on to. And it's going to give you the day in and day out motivation to keep going because day to day, there are going to be a lot of fluctuations. Uh, some days it's going to look great. Some days it's going to look like, I don't really know if there's a business here. So how do you move past that? Well, I think, especially if you're a direct-to-consumer, a lot of your sales, there could be a lot of fluctuation day-to-day in the early in the early days. And you don't want to index too heavily on that. You don't want to have to decipher exactly what it means that you've got 10 sales instead of 15 sales, because probably you're never going to find the answer out. And so you just need to have enough conviction to believe that this is a really amazing product uh, with enough work and enough time, we, we're going to grow and we're going to figure it out. So I think spending a lot of time understanding for yourself where that conviction comes from is probably like the highest the highest leverage thing that you can do. Yeah. And I think my piece of advice is probably going to be around don't sweat the details. I'm really glad that when we first launched that we went with a really basic, simple, free Shopify site and even a different brand name. We actually relaunched as Wonder Monday only three months ago. And so we just went out the gate with literally quick sprint of our name, our colors, and we just, we just launched and we didn't try to perfect the details over years. And I think that especially as in the DTC space where you see so many really beautiful, sexy brands designed by, you know, world-class agencies, it's really easy to get caught up in all the details. But the really important thing is, does the product taste good? That's like your North star. Does the product taste good? And can you get it to the customers in a way that works for you, your like your business and for the customer? I think that's really it. And all the little details, like a really beautiful site and like really sexy logo, like do not do any of that. Just really focus on the product and focus on making your customers happy. And that's all that really matters. And that's going to carry you quite a while. We had an ugly Shopify site <laughs> on the base theme for a year. Yeah. And it was great and it converted and it was like 7% conversion. Like you don't need any of the fancy stuff. And I think in the beginning, as a first time founder, I was definitely in the belief of like, oh, it needs to be perfect. It needs to look like this person. There's a lot of comparison going on. But when I just really focused on myself and what value I was delivering to myself and the customer, it was like, okay, this is all we need. So it's easy to get distracted and just focus on the two things, taste and business model, make sure it works. That's my advice. (laughs) One last thing I'll say, um, I think this is something that I've seen a lot. Well, the advice would be like, figure out how to love your customers instead of fear your customers. So I think that fearing your customers in the early days is a really, really common thing. So if that is something that you know that you have experienced, figuring out a way to change how you experience your customers is is super key. And so I think instead, because I think it's very easy to 
view when a customer writes in with a problem or a complaint or that they're dissatisfied, it can feel like really energy draining and totally crushing. It can result in not replying to the customer for a day or two days. And then there's this like mountain of email buildup or can result in you wanting to outsource things to you know, energetically distance yourself from it. But if you instead are able to shift your mindset, thinking of it as an opportunity to see how much your customers love the product, to hear what they want differently, to learn more about what you need to do to make it amazing, it can become an energizing experience and really change the relationship that you have with the customers. And so for Candice and I, we answer every single customer email. We don't outsource anything. Every single comment on Facebook, Instagram, even the video responses on TikTok, all of that is 100% us. And when we do encounter customer problems or complaints or issues, we spend time thinking about, you know, how is it that we want to handle this archetype of an issue? Or a customer says, oh, I would like the flavor instead to be like this instead of that. And so we spend time thinking about, well, what is our opinion on that? And so taking the time to really think about what the customer is saying and get some sort of internal resolution about what you make of it and how you want to handle it will totally change your relationship communicating with customers. Um, and hopefully you have a lot of customers and you're doing lots and lots of communication all day. So that becomes a huge part of managing your energy so you can, you can keep going. Great advice. And, you know, mindset is obviously such a key piece in the entrepreneurial world. And that's such great advice there. Don't fear your customers, love them and find ways to really understand what's the heart of what they're saying. And you're right. I mean, they wouldn't be writing you if they didn't love their your product <laughs> and want the best from it, right? They would just be like, okay, I'm not buying this anymore. If there truly was an issue, right? So that's a great pivot from a mindset shift. Um, love that. And really excited to watch your guys' story and see you guys, you know, revitalize the dessert category, the frozen dessert category, the cheesecake. Oh my gosh, guys, I, I love cheesecake. I love it so much. I'm so excited that you guys have created this. Um, So for everyone else listening who loves cheesecake as much as all three of us do, uh, where can they find you? Yeah, we, you can find us at wondermonday.com. We currently sell exclusively on our site and yeah, excited for you guys to give us a try. Awesome. Candice, Jonathan, thank you guys so much for sharing your story. I wish you guys the best of luck and keep doing everything that you're doing. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's it for this week, food friend. Thanks for tuning in. If the show helped you in any way, please go ahead and leave a rating or review of the show below. I also want to thank our sponsor one more time, the Food Brands That Sell program, the program to transform how you navigate the CPG industry and ultimately sets you up for success within it. Go ahead and get yourself on the waitlist using the link below, or you can put yourself on the waitlist at foodbrands.sellwaitlist.com. Catch you next time, food friend.